to another episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Tulu here. <sighs> another week. <laughs> another episode, another podcast. Um, I'm super thankful um, this time. Obviously, uh, we're coming to the end of Black History Month. I know it's all the way till the 28th, but super thankful for a lot of things that I've been able to put in perspective. And um, some things I just think about, um, just like how the world is working for us. And I know vaccinations are starting to now um, become a thing of discussion. We've now obviously fully cleared the perspective of what is going on, what is going on, what is going on to, okay, um, this is how we're going to handle things, how we're going to handle things. And it's also going to, how are we going to come out of this and what is recovery going to look like? Um, for example, in Canada, um, a couple of places in Ontario have reopened quote unquote reopen here. Um, for example, um, Toronto, I think, and Peel region and the areas around the main core of Toronto are probably the last few places that will reopen. And I believe that's much later, I think the 20 something when they reopen or something like that. Um, the rest of Ontario is open and well, life as we used to know it is gone and some kind of new life will be upon us shortly. As I think about that, obviously one of the pinnacles of things that people are think about is just businesses and how that's going to look. And for myself, I'm also excited because I am going to be transitioning um, jobs. <laughs> but again, that's something that's going to come further in March and maybe I'll discuss that more then. As I was going through the interviewing process, one of the things I reflected on was obviously my journey to where I'm at now. And interestingly, I got a shout out, um, or actually I should give a shout out to someone who reached out to me after listening to my podcast. Thank you for listening. You know who you are. And she requested, she wanted to know the story of essentially what my um, experience was like leaving university, finding a job, um, what it's like being a worker, etc, etc, etc. So I'm going to do my story um, pretty much from what my transition was like out of uni becoming a full-time worker as an international student, becoming a work a worker, and then obviously now um, a permanent resident, and then now obviously I'm a citizen as well. So the way it goes, um, I went to Carleton University in Ottawa for um, engineering. So I studied um, an engineering degree there. I did a four and a half year stint because I just struggled towards some points in the middle. And so I needed the extra semester just to finish it off in December. So between 2010 and 2014, I was a university student at Carleton University. When I was looking for a job, um, the way I went about it was I worked um, in the summer with Canada Post um, as a summer intern. So I did that three summers. They had me back to back to back every summer because apparently I was doing a decent job. And then towards the end of my schooling, I was working at this place called Pandora. Now it's a jewelry store where um, people just buy jewelry charms, that sort of thing. They're most famous for their bracelets. So the Pandora bracelets, Pandora charms, and you can just fill them up custom to you and the memories that you care about. So while I was doing that, it was a retail job. It was something that was giving me some kind of, you know, cash to have while I was a student. I, you didn't make a lot of money. You didn't have time. Your primary goal, obviously, was to finish school and get a proper professional job. So... What I did was around November, I had already started planning for this. So I started saving up a little bit of cash. I knew that I also had to transition my immigration status from study permit to work permit. Now, the Canadian immigration policy allows for 
students to have a different type of work permit compared to an open work permit or a closed one with a particular company. <clears throat> Give me a second here which is called the postgraduate work permit. Now, this postgraduate work permit um, gives you um, the length of your education um, as time to work. So if you work um, for, let's say you studied for three years or four, you would get a, uh, I believe it's a two-year work permit or a three-year, something like that. When I did mine, because I'd studied for four years, I got three years on my work permit. So... I applied for my work permits around um, December because once you are officially no longer a student, you are required to apply for this postgraduate work permit after I believe it was 60 or 90 days. I can't remember quite frankly anymore because it's now so long. But what I do remember was, it was there was a window you had to apply from when your studies are done. It is not from when you graduate. It is from the moment you are done being a student. So once I was done in December of 2014, I applied. The next step was, if I wanted to become a permanent resident in Canada, you needed to have certain work experience in certain job classification codes. And I can't remember, it was an NOA something. They're all classified differently depending on the type of job you do. Now, the job I had at a jewelry store, which is retail, would not have qualified for um work experience towards being a permanent resident. So that means I had to get a job that was in the classification code, which is essentially any professional job that requires um, four-year school training or even college training. That's usually, they usually qualify for that. But anything else that like you can pretty much do with a high school degree usually will not count. So what I did, um, I put in my notice that I was going to quit, I believe after December, because December is pretty much the best time to be in retail. So I let them know that I was going to quit pretty much once the Christmas season was over. Um, they had me for that Christmas season because obviously you want to pile up cash and you get paid time and a half um, for holidays and things like that. If you work during the holidays, you get paid extra, you get paid time and a half and those kind of things. So I put in my notice, I'm going to quit. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to become a professional job seeker. Like literally it is now get a professional job or bust. So my um, graduation was in uh, June, according to Carlson rules. It was going to be in June, but my, because I completed the requirements for my degree in December, I would not get my degree until I believe sometime in March or February, somewhere thereabout. So between December and January, I was just applying to jobs. I was just applying, 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 and applying. I would wake up in the morning First thing I do, check if I got any emails. And of course I did, rejections, just like rejection, rejection, rejection. But then obviously with the automated system, right? Where if you put your resume and all those things, they'll just auto reject if you don't have the keywords. So that's what I would do. Wake up in the morning, check if I had any emails with anybody back. Um, nothing happened. I was also applying with my Carlton email just so they knew I was a student. So it wouldn't look as though I was using any of those funky, you know, Gmail, Hotmail, those kind of things. I was using my direct Carlton email. So that it would seem like, you know, this is someone that's coming fresh out of school, that sort of thing. So as I was applying and applying and applying, clearly that wasn't working um, because I was just, as many as I applied, as many as I got rejections, that was pretty much it. If I applied for a hundred today, tomorrow morning, another 50 would reject me. Some would just ghost you. So if that wasn't working, um, I was like, okay, I can just keep doing this as a numbers game. You only need one job. It's just one job you need. But it still wasn't going anywhere after like a week, two weeks, three weeks. You know, I've again, keep in mind, I've already quit my job. This is now like, if this doesn't work and I don't have any money, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to eat? Like, 
you know, I had stopped collecting money from my parents already. Um, so it was, a, in, in my mind, it was like, okay, I mean, I have enough savings to last till maybe March, maybe March, if I'm very careful, if I don't go anywhere, keep in mind, it's also winter. So, you know, my, my movements are limited anyways. So I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have to go to work. I don't even have to take the bus. So no more bus pass, um, obviously from being a student, but, um, you know, whatever, we'll make something work. So I'm applying, 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 nothing's going anywhere. The next step I did was, okay, how about we start, you know, checking like Carlton's portal. So Carlton has, most universities have a dedicated job portal. You can use, obviously you can use the Indeeds of the world. You can use Monster. You can use, um, I can't remember, there's one of the Glassdoor. These are things, they all have job portals. Even LinkedIn has one too. And if you're applying to as many of those, they don't really go far. Again, if you are applying, imagine how many other people are applying with you. So I was like, all right, so let me see what else I can do. Let me try. Um, what if I do, um, what if I do certain jobs that are specific to me? Would that be any better? So I tried that again, tried that for another week or two, didn't go far. Then by mid-December, one of the things I decided I was going to do was instead of applying to generic jobs, I would only apply to those where the recruiter actively puts their email because then I knew I was emailing a person directly and it was not, you know, a system that was going to reject me. Let a person reject me with their chest. That was in my own mind what I was thinking. Let somebody reject me. So I kept doing that. I kept doing that. I kept doing that. And then I believe one day I got traction. Like literally people would then handpick me and say, oh, hey, we looked at your credentials. Um, do you have any projects? See, now we've gone one step further than, um, you know, just automatic rejection. Now someone is looking at it and asking extra like, okay, do you have this? Do you have that? So that was giving, I think I had like three or four that asked those kind of questions. We're like, do you have any projects we can see? Keep in mind, I was in software development. So they want to see if I can actually write code. They want to see what my code design looks like. They want to see what my algorithm sense is like. So I did that. And then there was one recruiter who was based out of the US, emailed me back. It's like, hey, we really like your profile. Um, curious, you know, we're hiring for our office team in Ottawa. Um, I myself, I'm not in Ottawa, but I think you might be a good fit. I want to present you to our team. I'm like, <laughs> present me to whoever you want, man. <laughs> I need, please, I need dollars. What are you talking about? Present, ordinary presenting, please. Let's do it. Like, you know, will you be interested kind of thing? So I'm like, present me, I beg. Present me, let's go. So I got presented. Um, and so I met the team. I went to their office at the time um, near uh, Bell's Corners, I think is where it was at the time or something like that on the way to Bell's Corners. Or maybe I'm getting it wrong now, but Moody. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Moody. So somewhere near Moody, um, it's, you got to go by Robertson. That's what it is. Like you're going towards Canada. But anyways, so I went there, had an interview, met a couple of people. They asked me some very interesting questions. So I met, first met the dev team I would be working with and the dev manager. So both of them interviewed me, just asked me a couple of dev questions. How would you design an elevator? Which was very interesting because I was like, okay, just, they're just asking for edge cases pretty much. Then after that, I met the VP, um, Later on, he asked me some, you know, behavioral questions, things like that. Um, and then I met um, one other VP who was just curious, um, asked me some random questions. He asked me about the phone I was using. And at the time I was using a OnePlus, using a OnePlus phone at the time. So he was asking me about it like, oh, I've not seen that before. I was like, yeah, um, you know, is this really, really cool Android? Um not too many people know about it, but quite frankly, it's one of the most customizable, um, really good on price as well. It's very different from a Samsung in that it has more features, but it's more features that you like. And obviously for the price, it's wonderful. 
So he's like, oh, interesting. So how did you get to decide on that phone? I was like, well, I mean, I researched it. I looked around. Obviously, I saw the popular answers, but I, I wanted something else that I could try. And I felt like it was really different. Um, as a dev, I want to try some other new technologies, things like that. And so I was like, okay, cool, bet. Um, so I went back home. I kept quiet. I'm like, okay, so something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And here back. Then um, the recruiter reached out to me. He's like, hey, we're so sorry. Um, there was one more person who was meant to interview you. Um, but they couldn't make it. I think there was a mix up in the scheduling thing. They thought it was another day. They didn't know that you were actually already in the building. So sorry, we have to bring you back for one more interview. Again, in my mind, I don't even mind to like, ah, <laughs> you mean? So again, keep in mind, if you're going to bring me back, that's a step in the right direction, right? Like I've got to get some rejections, rejections, rejections. Clearly there's progress. If someone else wants to interview me other than everyone who's already interviewed me, so he's like, yeah, I'm also trying to figure out like, you know, what teams have need, da, 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 da. So I'm like, okay, cool. I go back. So this time, turns out it was with HR and I believe the CEO. Just get a last feel for me. And my man, I didn't know it was CEO at the time. So I didn't know. Just came back, met with HR, met with like, you know, one of the co-founders or, you know, founder, CEO, that kind of thing. You know, they talked to me, this, da, da, da. And they were like, okay, so you know, where do you want to go? You know, what's your career like? What's your thought process? In my mind, you know, obviously you give them the standard. But in my mind, I was like, you know, it's like, I'm going to be honest. Okay. So I told them like, you know, hey, um, obviously I want to learn the, you know, the tech space. I want to learn how to build things. Um, maybe at some point build my own, but the initial goal right now is just to learn as much as I can, soak up as much as I can. I'm coming out of university. Uh, you know, I've just gone through undergrad. It's more important to me to get something, get started in my field. I will take it from there. So literally as I'm leaving, literally just pulls me outside, right? Right before I leave, she's like, oh, just FYI, we're going to make you an offer. Um, congrats. We look forward to welcoming you on the team. Um, we'll get in touch with everybody else, you know, let your parents know, that kind of thing. Uh, obviously, I already told them, I started, obviously, I'm, I'm not from here. I don't have family around and this kind of thing. And obviously, they're like, so, you know, the, she had already asked me a bunch of questions around how, you know, I was doing things here by myself kind of thing. She's like, okay, let your parents know you got the job. You, everything is going to be all right. We really want you on the team. Like literally, I'm, as I'm leaving, bawling, because I'm like, oh my God. So, so this is around January now, right? Let me know that, yeah, you got the job. It's yours. Welcome. Crying, man. I'm like, yo, I'm not going to have to keep eating it. me anymore. I'm not going to eating noodles. No more instant noodles, man. We have a job. Oh my God. Um, and keep in mind, um, the money I thought I was going to, um, you know, save till March people, I don't know why we, as people just lie to ourselves and overestimate our ability to, you know, maintain money, at least again at the time, my money was already running out. I think I had like another, maybe 800 bucks to go, something like that. And I was like, by the time I pay rent for February, <laughs> if we don't get something in February, or more, <laughs> whose couch you are going to sleep on? I don't know, but Omo. So probably around February, March, already more will be out. So like, okay, so your first day is going to be, I think, February 15th or 17th or something like that. And it was an odd number. And so welcome. Yo, I went on, like, even on the bus, I was just crying, like, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be hungry. I am not going to be hungry. So in the process now, again, I'm transitioning from a study permit to a work permit. Now, first, the first requirement is I found a job in my field. The next step now is I now have to apply. I finished my schooling, I've applied. But the, the time between when you get um, your work permits decision made and your transition from being in a study permit is this period called implied status. Now, around that time, the implied status was broader where you could 
change status from study permit to work permit, and you'd be under implied status because until you get a decision made, the government says until the decision is no, you're on a yes, which is great, right? Because otherwise I won't be able to work. Later, I believe they changed it to you can only be under implied status if you're extending your status. So now if you're extending the status, you're implied then you're fine unless they say no. But if you're transitioning from study to work, you can't do that. So I think so many strange like that and I was reading up and I was like, why did they change that? But anyways, so they clarified that up, but at the time it didn't really matter. So now HR is like, okay, we're going to send you some forms for taxes. Keep in mind, I've worked at four, um, three different companies at this time. So I'd worked at Staples, I'd worked at um, Pandora, the jewelry store, and I'd worked at Canada Post as a summer student. So I already pretty much knew this was standard stuff. They're going to ask me for my SIN number. They're going to ask me for my tax implications and things like that. Like, do you want to declare anything on your taxes? And maybe some other documentation, obviously, like, you know, ID, that kind of thing. So I did all that. And they were like, oh, your SIN number begins with a nine. We did not know that you were an international. Like, how how does this work? Like again, not like we didn't know, but like we didn't know that your SIN number would be different. Like, is there any difference kind of thing? Now, because luckily for me, I knew all the regular requirements, right? It's not it's no different for a worker versus a student or whatever. So like, oh, so we're just going to need your permit stuff, just again, because you need to have that on file if you're hiring someone that isn't a landed immigrant. So I gave them a scanned copy of that. I was like, oh, so they're like, oh, how are your work permit? I'm like, yeah, I've already applied for that. I'm under applied. So they're like, oh, really? So they had to now look it up to check if, you know, this was in fact true. Now, again, keep in mind, I was the first non-Canadian or non-permanent resident that this company had hired. So they weren't too sure how to deal with this. But because of my experience, I'm like, yeah, no, it's going to be fine. Um, this is my SIN number. I have everything else you need. I have obviously been paying taxes now between 2013, I believe at this point, or maybe 2012 or something. Yeah, 2012. I'd already paid taxes for two years. So I already knew that everything was going to be fine. There was no big deal. But for them, it was new. Now, started work February. Um, and then the next thing I had to do was change my um, health card. When you're a student, you get um, insurance through your school. So if you're in any college or university, your health insurance will be covered by your school. Now, the company also gave me some covered health insurance, but because I am no longer a non-landed person, I'm going to become on a work permit, I had to then go to Ontario to let them know that, hey, I am not a work permit holder. I need to now get Ontario health insurance as well, because there's some pieces that Ontario covers by default. The rest is now covered by your private health insurance company. So by the time I got my work permit, I updated with my company again. Hey guys, I've got my work permits. And then I went down to, um, I believe it's Service Ontario, which is the name of the company that handles, uh, which is the government agency, not the company. It's government agency that handles, um, you know, Ontario members and things like that, or Ontario citizens. So I went there with my new work permits, my company where I worked, all, those, you know, all the documentation you need, passport, everything, just in case they ask for anything. I woke up to the lady, hey, um, so I just got my work permit. You know, I just finished school. I want to get my Ontario health card. And she's like, oh, cool. Welcome. Like that kind of thing. Like, you know, congratulations on everything. It was super nice. Super sweet. Like one of the things I like about Canada, people are just nice to you when you just have your documentation ready. And if you also greet, like if, you, and I feel like maybe that's something I'll talk about in another episode. Like people in Canada don't greet. I don't understand why they'll see you and just seem as if, eh, we're fighting. Why don't you just greet me? Just wave and say hi. Good morning. It's nice out there. Eh? Like, why can't you be with Greece? But again, I'll get to that another time. So anyways, so I'm in service Ontario with this lady. I need to get my Ontario health card. Here's all my documentation, my work permit, da, 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 da. And she's like, oh, cool. It will just take a minute. So she did this all. And she's like, yeah, I think your health card will be in the mail or something like that, if I remember correctly. So health card came in the mail. 
And um, yeah, just like that, I was now a citizen. I was now on Ontario health card. Like I was just getting my Ontario health stuff. So at this point, I'm like, I can now afford to be injured. Like <laughs> if anything goes wrong, I can, you know, I'm fine. Then in the adjustment process, now, again, I'm waiting for a year to obviously become a permanent resident, right? Like in my own mind, I want to become a permanent resident as quickly as possible before any immigration laws change. You cannot be waiting for drama to happen before you now change it. So in my mind, I was like, let me quickly get to this thing as quickly as possible because something will change. I know this country already. Like I already seen it um, with the Harper government in, at, at the time, the way they were moving, some of the things they would say, things that will get into the news. I already knew these guys are going to do something special. So I'm working for a year, full-time, software developer. And then at that point, they introduced this thing called Express Entry where you had to qualify with certain number of scores, certain number of, you know, they gave you ranking for um, your education, where you studied. So if you studied in Canada, at the time, they didn't give you any credit if you studied in Canada. If you had bachelor's, if you had an undergrad, that sort of thing, there was a credit, uh, the number of credits for how long you'd been in Canada already. Um, I can't remember some other criteria, your age. Yeah, your age as well, the languages you spoke, that sort of thing. And then obviously you had to write your IELTS in addition. Now, before it was one year work experience, your IELTS score, and then you send it all in, it's done. That's usually what it used to be before. You didn't have to wait. But now with this new system, it was pretty much like a raffle where the top people, there's a cutoff mark declared, everybody above that number, you can apply. So now you had to invite, you have to, be, you have to invite yourself to get an invite to apply. That's what it was now. You're no longer just applying directly for permanent residence. You are applying for an invite to apply for permanent residence. So because of that, I now got delayed another year because literally I did everything that was required to get into the pool, but the scores were so high that they were requiring that I had to just wait. So essentially I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. So new people would join, have a higher score than me and apply. Then later the government realized that people like us who had studied in Canada were now being pushed to the back of the line. Whereas we with, um, you know, because you've already been in Canada, you are a student, you are an international, you speak multiple languages, you have Canadian education, Canadian work experience, and it didn't count for anything because it was pretty much like you have education from anywhere, it doesn't matter. So the government then introduced scores for people with Canadian education, and I believe they added some more scores for people with, who had already lived in Canada a little longer. So there was some extra points for that. So because of that, once they adjusted that, I then moved to the front of the pool, and then I was then invited to apply. So I now had to wait two years after my undergrad in order to apply. So that was my journey between undergrad to PR. Now, the other advantage of being a PR was banks become more favorable to you, like loans, um, lines of credit, your credit card, things like that. Those things get a little easier to have when you're a landed immigrant compared to either being an international student or on a work permit. So I already knew that I had to, like, as fast as I could get to PR, I had to move. I already thought that this was going to change something. And truly, truly, they did change something. So for me, like, when I got to PR, I already knew that now I can relax. Now I can take my time to do anything I want to do because, you know, nobody can send me home. Essentially, hold my mindset that they cannot, I mean, they still could deport me. If I, if I fully, fully misbehaved, I knew Canada can like find a way to deport me. 
And I believe there was around that time too where they started doing this thing where there was like second class citizen. Because I remember there was a, a scenario where um, there was some issue that was being passed where if you had citizenship of another country, Canada could remove citizenship. And then there was this thing where a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian became the slogan, I believe, by, um, um, what's his face, Justin Trudeau, and I believe Tom Mulcair at the time or something like that. So I already knew that I had to, again, <laughs> move from PR to citizen as quickly as possible because laws by immigration can't change. I was in the middle of that. I was caught by that, obviously, by express entry. I didn't want to get caught by that in the PR process. Um, but I already knew, you know, anything can happen, but we'll get there in time. Again, around that time, the PR to immigration process was you had to wait three years after you got your PR to apply. Imagine, three years after. Then the when the um, Trudeau government came in, they reversed that decision back to two years after you apply, plus you get credit for every half day um, before you became a permanent resident. So technically you had a credit of up to one year, two years in addition. So I could now apply to become a citizen two years after my PR, as opposed to three years because of the Harper government. Again, these immigration things will always change in Canada. You just have to keep tabs on it as, an, as a non-Canadian before you become a citizen. Once you become a citizen, then obviously you cannot join other Canadians to be doing, oh no, we should do this. Oh yes, we should do that. But at that point, you're on the safe side. Now you are safe. Nobody can deport you. This is your country. You pay taxes. You can vote. Like we are not all guys. Now you cannot say, no, 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 no. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with this. Now you can talk. But before then, Omo, you are just there watching and just hoping that you, I hope these guys don't change any laws that will affect me before I become a citizen. So that was my entire tra transition from an immigration status. The other piece was like, and maybe I'll even save this for another podcast, where like the corporate culture that I have seen across all those different places, keep in mind, I've worked retail in two places, right? Staples, which is obviously they sell um, stationary office equipment, they sell computers, that sort of thing. I've worked at uh, Pandora, which is a jewelry store, almost directly, uh, almost primarily catered to women. Um, and I've worked at Canada Post, which is logistics, quite frankly. Um, but there are other things that are in there, but it's one of Canada's largest employers. So I've seen a bunch of companies at different levels, at different ways. And obviously now I worked at a smaller company right after undergrad, which gave me a nice little flavor of all the different ways that Canadian culture is. And, I, and I've gone on to work at two other places after that. And maybe I'll share about that in a separate episode, just corporate culture. Um, what it's like, especially being a minority. Um, how do you think about that interview processes? Maybe I'll accept that, accept that for another interview. But I guess I just wanted to share what my transition was like, um, finding a job, applying, and being frustrated by the application process, hoping for the best. And obviously, I also made it difficult myself quitting my job. I know that one. That was, nobody had to do that one. But I felt like I was single-minded, like you know, single minded, just like, this is this is the way I have to go. Otherwise I'll get too comfortable. I'll just be waiting and be like, well, I mean, I have a job. I don't really have to apply that much. And by doing that, you know, something had to shake, something had to give. And lucky for me, I found this thing. And well, spurred me on later to be where we're at today, where now I can afford to have podcast equipment. So, I mean, we can sit now, I'm no longer hungry and hoping that I'll be able to, you know, afford ramen noodles. Thank God. And with that, I'm going to close off this episode. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.